Most of you can't tell, but there is a little green stool behind the pulpit here. And I don't know if that's a short joke for the preacher, but I will tell you that when I stand on it, I look like Jim Deerman all of a sudden, usually. So That's my Jim Deerman stool. So uh, I noticed that, and all everybody else was stepping around it. And I didn't know if it was a short joke for me or what, but uh, uh, I think I know some little boys who get up here and like to, to use the pulpit, and that's fine. We enjoy seeing them up here as well. But if you have your Bible, can I ask you to turn to Psalm 29? the 29th Psalm, and we'll begin there in just a moment. I do have a couple of other uh, just notes to mention as we sometimes do as we begin. Uh, the first is we did receive word uh, that Hannah Robertson uh, was having some health issues. She had a little minor uh, outpatient surgery last week and was uh, just having some complications from that, and Carrie asked that we mention her and, and add her to our prayer list. Uh, certainly they've got a lot going on these days in, in their family, and so uh, we want to continue to pray for her. Uh, let me also make mention just one more time about the teen singing next Sunday. Uh, it's going to kind of work out if you'd like to, kind of like last Sunday with Vacation Bible School. Uh, we're just going to kind of make a full day, an afternoon of it. We'd love for you to stay and be a part of our lunch that we have between services. And the plan as of right now is that next Sunday we are going to go ahead and have a 1.30 service. It'll be somewhat shortened. Uh, somebody suggested that we take a few songs out. I was waiting for Charles to suggest that we make the sermon a little shorter, but I don't know about that. So, uh, But we will probably have a, a shortened service, maybe between 1.30 and 2, uh, because we will have guests that will start getting here a little after 2, about 2.15. Uh, but I asked Charles to make sure I could announce that, and he came back to me and said, well, be sure to announce we want everybody to stay, and that's absolutely true. We'd love for you to be a part of our lunch. We'd love for you to be a part of our sort of shortened service devotional at 1.30 and then stay for the singing at 2.30. If you've never been a part of it, not only at the other congregations, but even here as we have hosted over the years off and on, it is a very encouraging time. There's usually around 100 people total, uh, but there is a time of singing, one of our young men, I uh, will usually extend the invitation, sort of have a, few, a short devotional thought towards the end. And then, of course, we will have snacks. And as uh, they announced, if you would check the table in the foyer, because there is a sign-up sheet to help provide some of that, uh, those snacks and that food for our guests and for our folks. But we'd really love for you to stay and be a part of the whole day. Um, but we will probably, right now, plan on having a shortened service at 1.30 and then be prepared for our guests to start coming and then the singing at 2.30. So... Look forward to that. Hope that you can be a part of that. You know, names are important. I think sometimes we can treat them very uh, flippantly. Maybe somebody says, as we've always uh, taught our children to say, things like sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, we, we use that as well when it comes to names. Sometimes people call us names. We say, well, that's, that's not a big deal. But, but really, names are important. First and foremost, they identify who we are. You know, we've, we've laughed amongst our family sometimes even here lately that sometimes you see somebody and you say, oh, well, well, well their name is, you know, whatever. Say a girl's name was Elizabeth. I don't know. I'm trying to think of one. But they'll say, well, she doesn't look like an Elizabeth to me, you know. And you say, well, they don't look like that kind of name. But names, regardless of what we look like, they identify who we are. And so names are important to us. In fact, you know as well as I do that one of the first questions that you say or ask when you meet somebody is what is your name right we have visitors who come in the door they're part of our service and we walk up and we don't ask them always where they're from first or or about what they're wearing or something like that we usually say what's your name my name is Joel what is your name 
And with most of us, we answer to several names, right? I go by dad a lot or daddy, and some people call me Mr. Joel. Some people call me Brother Joel. And Carrie sometimes, Carrie Robertson texts me, and she'll say Preacher Joel. Uh, The big joke, of course, currently is that my dear friend Thatcher here that most of you got a chance to meet, uh, Thatcher, until the day that he dies or that I die, is going to call me Coach Joel, regardless of what it is. So, because that's how we got to know the Wilsons. And Courtney jokes that if I ever get to do Thatcher's wedding, it'll be Coach Joel when I do the wedding one day. So, but that's it. He calls me, I, he said it this morning as he came in the building. Hey, Coach Joel. And so that's the name that I've gone by at times as well. People answer to several names. But with God, And if you have your outline in front of you, we'll, of course, fill through the blanks that we have. But with God, his name is more important than just a title. His name tells us about his character. That's the first set of blanks that you have here. With God, it's so much more than just like a nickname or a pet name, as we sometimes say, right? We answer to things like husband or dad. Sometimes we answer with our spouse to things like honey or something like that. Of course, with our children, we know that if you call the full name, right, use the middle name, they're really in trouble. And so we answer to different things. But with God, it's more than just that. I don't mean to be irreverent. That's not how we're attempting to be with God. But God's name also tells us about his character. And throughout the Bible, God gives many names for himself. What I'd like for us to do is begin a study today, and I don't exactly have a a set plan. What I wanted to do, there was one name in particular that we're going to look at in a couple of weeks that I I wanted to to do a lesson on. I got to thinking about it, and I got to looking at other outlines, some other preachers' material and things they had done, and I started finding some things and and things I could use. And one of of my good best friends showed me some of his outlines, and he began with this kind of general study. And what I'd like for us to do then is take... Two or three weeks, maybe, again, I don't have an exact plan, but think about some of the names of God to discover who he is and who he always will be. And to those who trust and obey him, it's an encouraging study. Study. Think about the closeness that you feel with someone. Sometimes there is a name change when you get closer to somebody, right? Think about, again, I'll just use myself, but somebody says, Mr. Joel, Mr. Joel, they call you sir, call me sir, and at some point you say, you know, listen, we've come far enough, we're close enough, just call me Joel. We go beyond that mister or that kind of title, and so we get close to somebody as we learn about their name, and that's kind of important. I hope that this study will be encouraging to you, because not only as we lay a foundation this morning, but as we think about how we interact with God, how we talk to God, how we respect God, it's going to encourage us as we think about the names of God. Of God. So today we're going to begin by asking, why do we need to know God's names? Why is that important? Well, there's three things that you have if you have an outline in front of you that sort of lay a foundation. We might say some motivation. What are, what are some biblical motivations for studying the names of God that we read about in Scripture? Well, one of my, again, again, good friends that I talked to, when I was asking him about the material he had used, he said that he got up to at least nine lessons pardon me, nine lessons, and he had kind of stopped, and and there were some more he could have even covered. I would suggest that most of us, and certainly a lot of people in the world, don't even realize that there are at least that many names of God that are used in Scripture. So again, I don't know how many we'll cover exactly. I don't want to just continue on and on with it, but I think it could encourage us to become closer with God and be able to worship Him in a better way as we think about 
the names of God. So, some biblical motivation for studying God's names. Number one, we are commanded to honor his name. We are commanded to honor his name. I ask you to turn to the 29th Psalm. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We are commanded in Scripture to honor the name of God. So I think it would be important to know his names. You think about somebody that you talk to. You think about a boss. You think about a coworker. If you're going to interact with them, it's helpful to know their name. They're not going to like if you just say, hey, you, over and over again whenever you need them for something. Well, when it comes to God, we are commanded to honor his name. We should revere his name and show respect to his name. Think about Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 7. It's the third commandment as we sometimes list them. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. May I suggest to you this morning that's more than just the occasional cussing that somebody might do or maybe they do a lot in their life. It's more than just saying things like, oh my God, or things like that, taking God's name in vain. But it's about showing the proper respect for his name, honoring his name. Christians, especially, this should mean something to us because we bear his name. Maybe the better way to say it, of course, would be Christians, right? To think about how we honor Christ. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus would say, Let your light so shine before men, not that they can pat you on the back, not that you can receive an award, not that they can honor you and say, Well, that's a good job that you did. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but then glorify your Father who is in heaven. We bear the name of Christ. We bear the name of God. We should and are commanded to honor his name. If it's that important, I think it would be beneficial for us to spend a little bit of time studying those names. Number two, we are commanded to praise his name. Again, if you have an outline in front of you, we are commanded to praise his name. Again, Psalm 29 in verse 2, give unto the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Also, Psalm 145, Psalm 145 in verses 1 and 2, I will extol thee, my God. O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. If I'm not mistaken, those lyrics or those words are in the lyrics of some of the songs we sing. Do we mean that when we sing them, that we will praise the name of God? Understanding God's names, or by understanding God's names, we can worship him more effectively because we know who he is. You think about, again, a, a spouse, may, maybe someone, a, a significant other that you begin to date, to get to know. As you find out more about them, as you find out even about nicknames or names that they bear, you learn more about them and you're able to not worship them as we should certainly worship God, but to honor them or to give them praise to be in that relationship because we know who they are. Do we feel the same way about God? I'm afraid that sometimes we make God this big eye in the sky, as we say, or this, this thing even, or this person that we can't see 
per se. So then we just act like, well, we can't know much about God or we cannot be close to God. We're commanded to praise his name, so hopefully by understanding and studying his names, we can worship him more effectively. The more we know about God's greatness as well, which many of these names, as you'll see, continue to point out the greatness of what God has done and what he did for those in the Old Testament. And the more that we know about God's greatness, the more we are enthralled with him, who he is, and what he can do. You know, I think about our athletes that we love dearly. Many of us as sports fans, you think about someone like Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player. He was known as the great one, right? That was his name that he went by or nickname, and people would then know about his greatness. Of course, Michael Jordan for years, you know, Air Jordan, this idea of holding that air, of course, from a basketball kind of perspective, a dunking perspective, but just the greatness of that air that he inhabited, that he was so wonderful. Those names talked about how much we respected their ability to play a game, to play a sport. If we know more about God's greatness, we understand these things, we are more enthralled with him and what he can do. And we are commanded to praise his name. Number three, we are commanded to trust his name. We're commanded to trust his name. Psalm 20 in verse 7. Psalm chapter 20 in verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Many people trust in military might. We're thankful for our military. We pray quite often for them. We're thankful for the might that we have. But is our trust only in that military? Is it only, of course, in today's terms, in the tanks and the planes and the drones and the things that we have? Are those the things that we trust in or do we trust in the name of the Lord our God? Psalm 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We are to rely upon him, to trust in him. And again, Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. I will praise thy name forever and ever. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Proverbs 18 and verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Do we trust in God? We are commanded to trust his name. He is our ultimate help. And each of these names, and again, we're going to get into them, but at least, at least nine or so names or a few more, each name represents a source of help. The way that God helps someone specifically that we can sometimes see in the Old Testament, but he extends that to us as well today. We must trust in him even if he doesn't respond as we expect. Don't we treat God that way sometimes? We'll be faithful to him as long as good things are happening to us, but the first time that trouble comes, we start to shy away. We start to move away from him. But you know what the saying is, right? You probably heard many people say it as I have. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. If that's true, we should trust in him, even if he doesn't respond as we would expect him to, or maybe even if he doesn't respond as we would want him to, as we think he should. We are to honor his name, to praise his name, and to trust his name. If we're to do those things, we need to know his name. And more so than just God, although that is acceptable in a sense, but to truly understand the names that are used 
in Scripture. Let's talk about some general information about God's name as well. Three more points here that I, didn't, I wasn't able to put in the bulletin or have room for, but, but when we think about some general information about God's name, number one, his name reveals his person. His name reveals his person. It is God telling us who he is. That's what we read about. We're going to go through these again in the next couple of weeks, but it's God telling us about who he is. Let me call you again to the names that we sometimes call people. You ever had one of those people that you call, that everybody says, well, everybody calls me red. Why is that? Well, usually it's because they got red hair, right? Maybe they've got red skin or lots of freckles or something. They say, everybody calls me red. It tells us about who they are, right? Sometimes just their hair color. Somebody else sometimes, though, it goes the opposite, right? You ever met one of those, like, seven-foot-tall guys everybody calls tiny, right? It's kind of the opposite of that sometimes. But everybody calls me tiny. Yeah, but you're six-eight. Yeah, well, that's what happens sometimes. It's the opposite. But it still kind of tells us about maybe who they are or something about them, even if it's jokingly backwards. But God's name reveals his person. I mean, there's just a couple that I, I would touch on here without trying to overlap too much. In Genesis chapter 3, or excuse me, Exodus, sorry, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, do you remember there as Moses is meeting God at the burning bush? Moses has this great question as he has this moment of holiness, if you will, on holy ground, talking to this burning bush, of course more than just a burning bush, talking to God. And you remember as God gives him the instruction of what he's to go and do and talk to how he's supposed to talk and interact with Pharaoh, Moses says, well, who do I say sent me? Who do I tell them? that I'm coming by the authority of. When I get in front of Pharaoh, and I'm a little nervous about it, God, what am I supposed to say? Who am I supposed to say sent me? And what does God say? We know it well. Tell them the I am sent you. The I am sent you. I, don't, I think we kind of know in a, in a cursory, introductory way the power of that statement. But do you realize what God is saying there when he says, I'm not the I was, I'm not even the I will be, but I am the I am. And you tell them that I am sent you. That's who sent you to do this bidding, to say these things. Again, we begin to learn about how great God is when we realize that he says, my name is the I am. We don't have the time this morning, but in Genesis chapter 22, this is actually kind of the one that got my, my appetite going about this study, thinking about this. But in Genesis 22, do you remember that Father Abraham takes that son of promise up on the mountain, right? And that son of promise is saying, what are we doing? You know, we, we've made it all the way up here, Father. There's no animal. I mean, there's, no, there's no preparation here. What are we going to do? And the idea there, of course, is that God is the God of provision you may know it as Jira or Jira Jehovah Jira the God who provides that's what we learn about God in that moment that's the one that's got me excited and thinking about this study and I can't wait for that lesson but that's the example he says God is the one who will provide now father Abraham knows what's coming right he knows that he's looking at the sacrifice he doesn't know what's going to happen but it's his son that's supposed to be the sacrifice when the son says, Dad, what are we doing? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We learn something about God's provision in Genesis chapter 22. Again, we don't have time, but Exodus chapter 15, there's the healing of the waters that takes place there. The healing of the waters. And, and again, without going into great detail, it's Jehovah Rapha that's used there with the idea that God is the God of healing. 
That's what's told to the people there in that moment in Exodus chapter 15. And so on and so forth. Again, you begin to whet your appetite just a little bit thinking about these occasions in the Old Testament and how we reveal or God reveals his person. He's telling us who he is. A few others to kind of to kind of make mention of here. His name is good. His name is good. Psalm 52 and verse 9. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it and I will wait on thy name for it is good. His name is good. His name is majestic. His name is majestic. Psalm 8 and verse 1. If you have a King James Version, you may see the word excellent there. Majestic or excellent. Psalm 8, 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. His name is good. His name is majestic. His name is glorious. Psalm 115 and verse 1. Psalm 115, verse 1, Now unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. His name is glorious. We notice as well that his name is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, The angels there, right, cry unto one another and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 111 in verse 9, holy and reverent is his name. And then we notice as well that his name is near. His name is near. Psalm 75 in verse 1, unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. His name is good, it's majestic, it's glorious, it's holy, it's near. We learn about God in his person. He tells us who he is through his name. Not only does his name reveal his person, but we might notice, secondly, his name relates to his people. His name relates to his people. He has revealed himself to us that we might fully know him. Again, I would just caution you that I think we get very, we get very caught up in saying he is, he's up there or he's in the heavens and he's so far away. But we can know about him. We can fully know him. And he, he has revealed himself to us so that he can relate to us. Do you know the name? Again, you sing some of these sometimes. But the idea of Adonai. He is our master. That's the word that is used there. It's one of the names, Ad, Adonai. He wants to be our master. I already said Jira or Jira. He wants to be our provider. He, we should want to fully know him, and he has made it possible because, number one, his name reveals his person, but number two, his name relates to his people. We can understand those things. We understand the idea of a master. We understand the idea of a provider, and God has fully revealed himself to us so that we can relate to him. But then number three, God gave his name to release, if you will, his promises, to release his promises. As we said just a few moments ago, there's so much power in saying that his name is not who he was, but who he is. And yes, in a sense, who he even will be. But that's what his name, his name releases his promises to us. The same God that we read about and even sing about in the 23rd Psalm, who was the shepherd of David, in a sense, the same God who shepherded David longs to shepherd us. 
He may not interact with us in the same way as he did with those in the Old Testament, but he longs to be our shepherd. Almost all of you probably at some point might have heard me, unfortunately, at the time of a funeral or unfortunately at the time of a graveside service read that 23rd Psalm and say that that Psalm is not a Psalm for the dead, although it sometimes gives us comfort. It is a Psalm for the living. God longs to be our shepherd, and if we will make him our shepherd through the good times, through this life, he will be our shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. His promise, his promises are sure, his promises are true, and his name releases his promises that we understand that, that we can know those and realize that is who he is. We sometimes sing a song. I don't know that it's as popular anymore. It's certainly not a common one that we sometimes sing in our assembly, maybe out of our songbook. I remember it more as I was a young person going to Bible camp and those kinds of things. We sing, he's my rock, my sword, my shield. You see, the question as we begin to conclude this morning, if you have your outline in front of you, the question is, who is God to you? Who is God to you? Now, if you have your Bible, and even if you're filling out the notes there, I'm going to ask you to turn to one more psalm, and it's Psalm 18. As we begin to wrap up these thoughts, turn with me to Psalm 18, really the beginning of that psalm. Psalm 18. The question that we end with is, who is God to you? If he wants to be our master, if he wants to be our provider, if he's revealed himself to us so that we can fully know him, who is God to you? In Psalm 18, we get one of those sort of non-inspired headings, right? You may have it as you open up there. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he, the psalmist, is then going to say, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. As you read those first couple of verses, there are at least seven. There are at least seven or more descriptions of who God is. My rock. My fortress, my buckler, if you maybe have a King James in front of you, which is shield, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Who is God to you? Is he some far-off eye in the sky? Is he some kind of people picture God as some grandpa, some white-haired grandpa sitting off? Some people picture God as somebody who's not involved, who's just sitting afar off watching us Things happen to us, and he lets bad things happen to us, and he's just, again, not involved at all in our lives. Who is God to you? Is he your master? Is he your provider? Is he your healing? And the thing about him being your master is, if he is not your master, as we begin to conclude this lesson and we extend heaven's invitation, you need to obey him today because he will be your judge. He doesn't have to be your master here. You can try to live a life separate and apart from him and say, I don't believe in God, but one day he will be your judge. Jesus would say in John chapter 12 and verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. What is that, Jesus? 
The words that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. See, this is meant to be a great study, and I, I'm excited about some of it. I know you've heard some of these before, whether it be something like Jira or, or Jira, or whether it be something like Adonai, El Shaddai. You may have sung songs that use these names, but do you truly understand the names of God so that you can be closer to him, so that you can better worship him? As we conclude this morning, he may or may not be your master, but as we said, not only to those gathered here, but to anyone in the world, he will be our judge. So as we conclude the lesson this morning and extend heaven's invitation, that's the question for each of us. Who is God to you? He will be your judge, so have you been obedient to him? If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, the, the plea is not to scare you necessarily, I, although none of us necessarily say that we want to have a home in hell, that we want to suffer for all of eternity, but the plea is that you would come to God in obedience that you would become a child of God by being obedient to the gospel plan of salvation, being buried in the water just as Christ was buried in the tomb, rising again to walk in newness of life just as he was raised from the dead. We rise out of the water to begin that new life. Participating with him in the death, burial, and resurrection, we come in contact with his blood and baptism. It's his blood that washes away our sins so that we can be made whole, so that we can have the forgiveness of our sins, so that the Lord can add us to his church and we can begin to live faithfully. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, why not? We will be singing in just a moment to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a child of God. You say, well, I've done that. You say, well, I, I, have, I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. But maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away. You've struggled with the things of this life and, and you say, I've not been faithful. God has provided all these things for me, but I've not been faithful to him. We're thankful for this moment for this chance to encourage one another through the words of this song. If you need to become a Christian or you need to come back to him, consider making a change, even now as we stand together and as we sing.